If you're a bank specialist or know someone who is, you're going to want to listen to this episode. Today on the show, I have Adam Walker for Bricks Mortgage. Adam is a seasoned bank vet. He was a bank specialist. And more recently, for the last several years, he actually managed a whole group of bank specialists. So he really gets that side of the business. And a year ago, I became a mortgage broker after many conversations with a friend of his who was on the broker side. And so I was like, hey, what do you think? It's been a year. And he's like, oh my gosh, it is not anything what I thought. And so on this episode, we debunk the five myths that he heard as a bank specialist and even repeated because, of course, he didn't know he hasn't been here before. I'll give those to you and then we're going to jump into this episode. I think you're really going to like it. So first, one of the myths was being a broker is more expensive. You've got all these expenses you have to cover. Adam's going to debunk that myth. Next one, bankers have more options. Brand matters to your clients. Banks invest in the best technology and you'll get referrals from the branch. So Adam dives into all these and explains from both sides because being 17, 18 year bank vet, he knows this better than most. And so I think if you are a bank specialist or know someone who is, this is going to be an episode you're going to want to check out. And especially since in the next two years, something like 60% of mortgages are coming up for renewal. And if you're a bank specialist, in most cases, you can't even work with that client. So you don't have an option to help them. They have to deal with their branch or wherever they are. So if you're a bank specialist, now is the time to look at moving to the broker side if this is something that interests you. Before I jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use. So it's got some cool features built in like smart docs. It knows what documents your client needs based on the, how they fill out the app. It's got smart submission notes, pulls key data from the app to send to the lender. And it's connected to the lender spotlight, which is the best tool for searching rates and guidelines. And it's got like seven or 8,000 guidelines in there. And you can find them for every lender. It's absolutely powerful. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo. And check out this conversation I have with Adam. Hey, Adam, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on again. So, hey, I'm excited to chat with you today. I'll ask you about this in a second. I've got an extensive background in being from the bank side of things as a to be a mortgage broker. And we're going to talk about the five myths here when you're on the bank side. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about yourself and why shouldn't somebody even listen to you? Like, how do you even know this stuff? So banker for life almost, right? So I started in the bank. I started right in the branch. I was a part of a major bank when they launched the Mortgage Advisor channel into the mortgage world. I sold mortgages for about three years on that side, became an area sales manager. I managed a team of mortgage agents. And then finished my career with the bank back on the mortgages inside. I went back to selling a little bit, working with a good buddy of mine who I was, you know, saying, hey, if we had a client that we couldn't get approved here, working with him. And he said I was his number one referral source after a little while. So made the right. switch like, back to the bank side. Yeah, like, this doesn't make sense. Let's start closing the deals for myself. So I guess we're closing in on a year now that I've been on the mortgage agent side. And, you know, it's funny. You always meet with people over the time and bankers converted into brokers. And they always tell you, like, I wish I had it done it sooner. That's what they always say. And I've heard that for 17 years that I wish I had it done it sooner from people that did it. I guess you're scared to hear a lot of the different tools, a lot of the myths that we're going to kind of go over today. And that keeps you there, right? So Right. Okay. So 17 years in the bank, a year on this side, you've got friends who've been on this side longer, but what is the kind of first myth that you were told or that you now discover? Wait a second, that's not actually accurate. You know, the biggest thing that they always talk about was, okay, you might make a little bit more money per deal, but you're always going to have higher expenses. It's going to be expensive to run your mortgage business. They really try and lure you over with, you know, 110 basis points on a deal. That might be the case, but you're paying a lot of expenses. You've got all kinds of office expenses and your splits are higher. You're paying big insurance fees. And it's really not the case, right? You know, when you're looking at it, you've got to lose a lot of money on a deal. When you're making almost double in terms of basis points, you're doing a lot better on this side than every deal. Not to imagine the deals that you're getting done, right? So it's a definitely a much different environment on this side. 
Right. So basically, the myth was you're going to have higher expenses. But you're, wait a second, I'm getting 55 basis points of file at the branch versus now I'm making 110 times more. Mm-hmm. And so that's one. The expenses aren't as much as you expected. The other part, too, we could touch on. I mean, neither one of us are like tax experts, but there's a significant difference in being a T4 employee versus being self-employed and how the tax implications work. Maybe just touch on what you've experienced with that. Significantly higher. So the first thing I did was I incorporated as my own business. Most people are working from home as a mortgage agent. We have a virtual office. My expenses now, instead of going on a, you know, a T2200 where you're able to write down some stuff, now I'm a self-employed. You know, Everything that I do is expenses. I've got a lot more expenses and a lot of my income now is being paid as dividend income. Right? I'm not paying myself as a T4. I pay myself in a dividend. Right. I could say the tax difference is significant. Yeah. Right? We've done some numbers. We ran some numbers. Like you said, $150,000 income compared to a T4 income, that T2200 versus a dividend income is significant. You know, you're talking $30,000, dollars $50,000 difference. That's going back to my family now yeah. and not to shareholders. That's going to your family's pocket. And yeah, so there's a big difference between the higher per transaction. You get paid more per transaction that you have better tax planning strategies that you can use. I mean, you got a home office, you can write off some of the interest on your mortgage. I mean, I'm not an accountant, but there's a percent. Absolutely. Of, Absolutely. You have a home mortgage and like, and that's just one of the many ways you can, you know, I personally love being self-employed. I've this way for 17 years and I am unemployable at this stage and I freaking love it. Okay. So the first is you'll have higher expenses. What's the second sort of myth that you've kind of heard <laughs> that you're now, wait a second, that's not actually accurate either. You know, we've got options. Like we've got great programs at the bank. We've got more options. You know, when you can't get a mortgage approved through our traditional underwriting, you know, we've got alternate lenders. We have a, you know, a salaried employee. You just got to send the deal over and they're going to take care of this deal you know, from start to finish, you got nothing else to worry about. You know, we'll pay a little bit, you know, 15, 30 basis points on that deal. But the client experience wasn't good, right? So now I own that client, right? right. I can talk to the different programs. On the bank side, okay, I had access to these. I wasn't an expert in any of those programs. I didn't know what a B deal was and how those deals got approved. Mm-hmm. Now I can talk to those clients. And if I hear those things, okay, we're not an A deal, we're a B deal. Right, we can get these approved, and I know exactly how to, you know, transition that client over to that set expectations right from the beginning. Of this is how we're going to get your deal approved, and we're getting way more stuff approved. You know, and we talk about self-employed. You talk about rentals. You know, sometimes at the bank that I was with, we had a great self-employed program. Sometimes we didn't. Sometimes shareholders decided we wanted to be really aggressive on rentals. Sometimes we didn't. You know, all lenders are kind of that way. Everybody's got their niche on what program they want to work for. Yeah, they go through, there's an ebb and flow. I mean, if you've been in this business, you'll be super aggressive on one thing and then they're going to look at their balance sheet and you don't have any choice in it, but you don't have as a bank specialist, you can't just be like, hey, okay, well, if lender A, my lender doesn't want to do it. I got four other ones that will. Absolutely. So that's a big difference. And you lose that at the bank. Yeah. You know, our bank, uh-huh. we were so aggressive on rentals for so long. We had a lot of mortgage agents that had built their business around a rental portfolio. Yeah. And it went away overnight. Right. Because right? they looked at it and were like, oh, dang, we've got too many of these. And now we've got to like- We're overexposed. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. You know, an, an audit goes through, an OSFI audit goes through the bank and all of a sudden their balance sheet is way too overexposed on, you know, a new to Canada program, a rental program, whatever it might be. That program's gone, right? And mm-hmm. on this side, okay, the program's gone from bank A, but bank B still has it. Bank C has a good program and bank D has, you know, there's all kinds of different lenders. And then the credit union can do something different altogether. And the way I've always thought about it, and again, you know, I've got lots of friends that were from the bank world and some friends that are still there, but it's like you have a golf bag with way more clubs in it. Way you know, more you had a couple of clubs in the bag. And now you're like, okay, well, I could use, you know, I need a 60 degree one to get out of this one. You know, you can pull a club out of the bag. You have more options versus playing with two or three clubs for the whole round and then going, 
Like, why is my score not as good as someone else? Like, well, you just have more options, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. So first is myth one, you'll have higher expenses. Myth two, banks are going to have more options for you. What's the third myth that you've found since switching over to this side? Yeah, brand. They always love to tell you, you know, having that brand logo means a world of difference, right? Like that's where you are going to win is because you have that brand. And the brand will get you a meeting with every realtor, right? Every realtor is going to want to meet with you because you're with the bank. Right. And they think, you know, if I meet with you, you got all kinds of power of sales and everything for me because you're the bank. Right. I can't tell you the number of first time mortgage agents, you know, as an area sales manager, an agent would go and meet with a realtor and they'd call me back and say, got him, Adam. We're good. Signed him up. He's going to send me all of his deals. He's on our rewards program. We got this guy. We never get a deal from him. Right. And when I was on that side, good friends of mine that were realtors that, you know, they'd entertain me, get the odd deal here and there. And when I came over to the broker side, they kind of said, Adam, it's about time. Now I can send you every client. And they do. You know, let's say there's five major banks. And if I had a client that was at bank A, I can't refer him to bank B. But I can refer him to a broker right? right? and say, hey, he's got access to everybody. Yeah. Go see him. Get a second opinion. It's good to get a second opinion from every other lender. Let's call a space. Most of the banks, they're the same thing. They're just different colors, right? So right. why would I refer right. a bank A client to a bank B client? It doesn't make sense. One of the things I really, really found in those realtors, once I came to this side, that was one of the things they explained to me is, now we can give you stuff, right? Now we can give you everything. Now I know you have access to those declines. Right, yeah. I think you had said to me before, so if a guy is doing 20 files, 10 of them are buy side, like break that down for me. Because again, you not only did you have your own business that you did, but you also looked over the shoulder of a bunch of people that were doing this. So give me like the breakdown of what you've noticed there. So let's break down a realtor, right? So let's say a good realtor, average realtor is selling about 20 deals a year. Yeah. And let's say... 10 of those are buyers, 10 of those are sellers. So if you have 10 buyers that are looking to buy a house, let's take all the cash buyers out. Let's say none are cash buyers, which is probably not the case. Yeah. You split those up evenly between the big five banks, right? Right. Which is still probably not about the case. Some are, you know, there's some banks that have more clients than others, but let's say two per bank. So you have access to two of that realtor's clients throughout the whole year. Right. Yeah. I think you said to me too, that some realtors would be like, if they were for your ABC brand, but otherwise you were only getting stuff that they knew was going to basically- yeah. It was going to be a layup for you. Yeah, because I'm not going to send you another brand's client to your bank because they have no affiliate to that bank. Right. You know, they're with where they want to be. I'm not in the market of trying to turn clients. You know, that's a hard conversation to have and try and say, hey, you know, maybe you're there, but try this. Right. They could just go back into that other bank and get it done the same as what you know anybody else could. But if they say, hey, go see a broker. They have a lot more options than the bank does. They can get you some better rates. They can get you better deals. You know, this guy's a mortgage specialist. That's all he does. And he has access to all kinds of lenders. But yeah, like I said, I've got a few realtors that since I came over here, you know, we spun our tires on years on that side. They're friends of mine. Yeah. Hey, refer to me. Refer to my friends that, you know, my team that was a mortgage agent. Didn't get anything from them. Came to this site. You know, we're closing six, seven deals in the last few months in a down market. Right. You know, so to the brand thing, I say like, at the end of the day, people work with people. Realtors work with you because they trust you. The brand is actually very much secondary, maybe third down the list. And I always tell the example of you can go to like Scotiabank Arena, walk in, it's Scotiabank. And we like Scotiabank. They're a great lender. They're a partner of ours. Great lender. And you walk in there and it's everything is Scotiabank. You walk and talk to a mortgage broker and you do a mortgage at TD Bank or you do somewhere else. The reality is the mortgage broker channel has actually been growing, which is more banks are coming back to the channel now. Yes. So the mortgage broker channel is growing. They can't a service or find every client in every nook and cranny of these communities, which money is not going to get that client. It's going to be who's the person they trust the relationship. So if you're a bank specialist and you're trusted, 
they're going to trust you on this side too. And they're just going to be like, you just all of a sudden opened up way more options for them and you can help them more. Way more options. Yeah, right? that's really good. Okay, so you have higher expenses as one. Two, banks will have more options. Three, brand matters, referral partners. What's kind of the fourth myth that you've heard that you've turned out to be like, that's not the case? If you're with the bank, you know, they're a major business in Canada. One of the biggest, you know, businesses in Canada. But they've got more money to invest in tech. They've got more money to invest into the channel, into their brand, into everything that they can do. You know, they've got commercials. They've got everything they can do that's going to make working for the bank a lot better than working, you know, for your own company and going to start as a broker. There's just a lot more recognition. It's going to be a big difference because they've got that investment that they can make. Really not the case, right? You know, the more you come over here and we kind of learn that from our application system to the different tools that we have access to that we can do, the banks do invest heavily in technology. They invest heavily in their client process, but they invest heavily in their business. And they should, it's their business, but they invest heavily in, you know, taking that client that they already have that's theirs and keeping their client, right? Right. It's not a lot of, you know, let's make it easy. Let's make your online banking. Let's make it really, really easy. You know, and and all these banks, their mobile apps, everything they have, they're fantastic, but that's where the investment's going, you know, and as a mortgage agent, you're kind of squeezed in there. Okay. This is how we can make your process work, right? We're not building a mortgage process. We're building a bank process and finding a way to fit the mortgage area into that process, right? We're on this side. We have an application system that's built right for us, right? right? We have, you know, tools like the VIP club. We have tools like webinars. We have tools like, you know, Kajabi. There's client courses, all kinds of different things that we can do for our clients. And it's ours, right? We own those things and we can build those things out. Right. Like, so yes, they invest in tech, but the tech is really designed to continue to build the relationship between the bank and the client, not between you and the client. Whereas on your side, there are so many more options for building a great client experience so that they only ever think of Adam Walker. Because the reality is, is that like right now, lender ABC is the place to go, but in three, four years, it could be somebody different. And the thing is, you're like, I'm good. I can help you with that. You know, but you can actually make it so that the technology helps you create a better experience. So they're more attached to you not to the brand. Yeah, CRMs, right? We had yeah. so many different CRMs that came out with the bank. They didn't do anything though, right? They kind of managed your business a little bit. They talked a little bit about what you could do. There was no marketing campaigns to say, hey, mm-hmm. come back and see me when you want to refer a deal, when you want to do whatever it might be. That wasn't there. It was just, you know, here's a CRM so you can have a past database of your clients that nobody could use because you couldn't figure it out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So higher expenses, more options, brand matters, they invest in tech as we've discovered it's more to do with the tech on their side, but not on yours. What's kind of the last myth that you've seen? And there's a lot of things we could talk about in this, but I think this is a great way to kind of frame this conversation. So what else do you see? The other one is getting more referrals from the branch. You know, we've got lots of people in the branch and they're busy and they got a lot of things going on and they're going to send you the deals, right? So when the client walks in, we're going to send you the deals and we're going to partner with the branch and we're going to give our deals back and we're going to work together. And, you know, you give me investments, we give you mortgages and everybody's going to sing and songs and we're going to be one happy world. It's really not the case, right? You know, in 17 years, there were times where, you know, you get a branch manager in that they really loved working with the mortgage agents and they would send all kinds of deals over there. And then, you know, the next quarter comes around and the targets change and they really don't have a need for mortgage advisors anymore. And their businesses turn on a dime. Not to mention that when you get that deal from the branch, your commission gets cut in half. So you're already at a lower commission. They're now going to cut your commission in half on that deal that gets referred by the branch. You know, so that's one thing that's down a lot too. And on this side where it really isn't the case, the odd deal that you get from the branch, you also lose your renewals. You know, if a client comes back and wants to do a refinance, you know, 
the brand side, maybe you're only getting a little top up. You know, you lose that home equity line of credit. There's so many different things that you lose on that branch side that you no longer have access to because you referred your client into. So now, you know, I've got stories of we have to send the client back in for a renewal or they want to add a home equity line of credit onto that mortgage. And they're going back in, seeing that, you know, yesterday's teller that is now doing mortgages. They have no idea what they're doing. It's a terrible client experience. You know, I can remember people say, I'll do it for free. You don't even need to pay me. I just want my client to have a good experience. Right, right. It had to be done by the branches and it wasn't getting done properly. You'd lose referral sources over it. You lose a lot of different things over that because you're just not getting that great client experience. I love that you're actually so obsessed with the client experience because we both know that's where you create tons of value and you get more business. Like you get business from your existing business with a good client experience. If it's not good, it will cost you. You know, one referral can become two, three, four, but if the client experience sucks, you're going to get less. And so you talked about that a ton, but so the thing I'm hearing here, so basically there's a perception of an opportunity of referrals, but you lose the opportunity to do renewals because they're not going to pay you on a full up renewal. No. You know, refinances, or maybe they pay you on the top up. If they even get a crack at it, they're going to often go back into the branch. And so in the broker side, you have access to all that. You got renewals, you got refis, you got other stuff that you can do for those clients. And it more than offsets any of these potentials that you can get on the referral side. And on the renewals, you're not just selling what's on the shelf, right? Like that's one of the things I really like. We got told that all the time, right? You know, sell what's on the shelf. Like that's what we have here. That's the product that's available for your clients. That's what you need to sell, right? And at the bank, sometimes you've got the best rates on the street. You know, maybe a couple months of the year. You know, maybe six weeks of the year, you got the best rates. You know, maybe there's been another couple months where you've got the absolute highest rates, but you got to renew that mortgage. And clients are going to renew because they don't know any better. They're just locked into that bank and they're going to renew at the highest rates available on the street. Right. But most of the time, let's say 10 months out of the year, you're somewhere in between, right? You're not the highest, you're not the lowest, you're just kind of there mm-hmm. where you're just, hey, we sell what's on the shelf because that's what we have available to us. Now I don't need to do that, right? Right. So today I like, you know, I've got a great relationship with this lender. Well, their rates are a little bit higher. This one's got a little bit better product for my clients. You know, a self-employed client, you have ability to get a higher approval, lender A versus lender B, because they're more aggressive in that market right now. Right. You know, one of the other things you touched on was this idea of yesterday's teller is today's bank specialist. And so what my experience has been is that there's been some great people in the bank if they're really good, they do not stay in that position long. They certainly won't be there when your mortgage renews because they're going to be upgraded to some other role. This was probably your experience. You started out and they're like, dang, this guy's good. And they just kept promoting you. Yeah. And meanwhile, all those clients that you worked with are now your clients. They're actually, they belong to that branch, that whatever. And so either A, they're brand new and they can be inexperienced. Nothing bad against that. But then the other side is that if you are good, they're not going to stay there long. They're, not. they're going to end up being promoted and find a new position. And so- you put the time into building these relationships with these referral partners and these clients, and then you have clients for life. Like to start, it's hard to be a mortgage broker, but once you get a base of clients, man, the opportunities from that base is like, absolutely, it's fantastic. As long as you take care of them. You truly own those clients for life. Yeah. You know, we have the CRM now on this side. My CRM talks to my clients every year for me. Right. I get a notice, you know, maybe I edit my email a little bit, but I have a message that goes out to them four times a year automatically. Right. Right. Hey, hope things are good. You know, just a quick little text message. Some of them are video messages that are pre-recorded that go out to my clients. Six months before that renewal, they're going to start hearing from me automatically. Mm-hmm. Every single year, I'm going to meet with those clients because I can, because now there's a benefit to that client. So there's just so much more of an advantage for my clients for me being on this side versus when I was in the bank. Because when I was in the bank, if I met with my client every year, I probably couldn't do anything for him anyways. Now I can right? You know, life changes. You know, we've got a new kid, your kid's going off to school, whatever's going on. There's a lot of things that change over a five-year term. 
now we can actually meet with you every single year and find a better solution. You know, if there's something out there where right. you know, figure what works dead around, there's so many more options now that we'll be had with the bank. So if somebody's listening to this, they're a bank specialist and they're like, this sounds interesting, man. How can they find you if they want to track you down? And I'm sure you have no problem if somebody wants to reach out and ask you questions, right? Reach out anytime. I've had a ton of conversations since I've come over here. My website's adamwalkermortgages.com. All my contact information is there. We've got a Y Bricks page that we link right in here. If you want to learn more about Bricks, right? If you want to learn more about why I came over here, why my journey is here, we talk a little bit more about that. And reach out to me. Give me a call anytime. All my contact information is going to be right on my website. YouTube page on my Instagram page. Everything's there. Walker Mortgages. You can find me. I'd love to chat. It's something I'm really passionate about. I spent a lot of years, you know, talking to a lot of different bank reps, recruiting people there. And it's something I'm truly passionate about because I can help you grow your business. You spent a lot of years keeping them from going. And now you're over here. You're like, wait a second. What was I doing? You're like, you know, but hey, better late than never. Right. Well, it goes back to where I started, right? Like you remember meeting with people you know, brokers, sometimes you just go for the free lunch and learn a little bit about the broker side and see what's going on. And you talk to people like, hey, I was with the bank and I spent all this time there. And ah, I'm afraid, you know, we really kind of came down to it. Like, when I look back, I was just a little bit afraid of right. of change of, of what that might bring. Everybody says it over and over again. The ones that come over here and work, they're incredibly successful. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. Well, hey, man, you're kicking ass. It's awesome. And it's great to chat with you. And also just to hear your perspective as a guy who not only did it, but managed people in that side and can see both sides of it. So thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for listening. Hopefully, if you're a bank specialist or know somebody who is, you got some insights from my conversation with Adam, feel free to reach out to him if you have questions. Also, if you want to find out some more information about the differences between being a bank specialist and being a mortgage broker, go to welovebankers.ca. That's welovebankers.ca. We've got some free resources for you. You can go check those out. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.